And now for our sermon for today, Mr. Barnabas Grayson. Going downstairs here. Where'd he go? There he is. Does this remind you of days of our lives, doesn't it? Yeah. What else? Like sand to the hourglass. Yeah. There you go. I don't watch those things, so what do you know? That's a two hour glass, by the way. So y'all can watch it trickle down if. Uh, Y'all lose track of what I might be talking about today. Just a little sprinkle of sand there is at the bottom, you know. And uh, when you think about time, that's the way it is. It's just passing. It's just moving right on schedule. Time just waits for no one. You've probably heard that before. Now you've heard it again. As you know, this is the last day of the year. It ends at midnight tonight. For some, it probably will go on until early morning hours, you know, the way some people celebrate New Year's. But for the world, it's a time of celebration. And for some, it's a a time for a little bit of sadness as you reflect upon the year that's gone by. And for some, it's just just another another moment in time. But do we ever really look ahead? You know, sometimes we look ahead to the next day, and it doesn't take all that long to figure out what we're going to do. Some of us have a a weekly planning book, and so we can have a, a look ahead. But you know, the Bible gives us a look ahead. And sometimes, you know, it may be a little puzzling at times to know uh, the exact when or where or happenings that the Bible says, uh, the Bible prophesies about. But unless we keep a diary or uh, something uh, like a journal, some of you may do that, uh, we don't know how each day of the passing year has been spent. Uh, or what we did, or what the weather was like, or what our thoughts and our feelings were uh, for a particular day. Uh, I have three books here that uh, I uh, keep notes in. This one is Weather Record. (laughs) And I'm just going to open a couple of these things here. Like, uh, let's take a look at uh, Tuesday, February 23rd. Cloudy with some rain and cold, three-tenths of an inch. The next day, cold and windy with sunshine. You know, stuff like that kind of makes you think, well, what was I doing on a certain date? And March 31st, on Wednesday the 30th, ten ten tornadoes were touched down to the north. So that's in the weather book. Yamanak. (laughs) This one I have also entitled Weather Notes, but... I'm not very consistent on, on keeping, you know, uh, notes of every day. 
I think some people, you know, like they do that Facebook, they, they write everything that's happening to them, you know. And uh, this is what I did, and I'm the only one to read it, really. <laughs> I'm writing to myself. Uh, let's see. Uh, maybe I shouldn't read that one. I'll just set that one over here. <laughs> How about Thursday, December the 28th, 2000? Fourth day of ice storm. Cold and dark for many people in town. Water's off, power lines down, all trees broken, Main Street dark and, and uh, quiet. <laughs> uh, Eufaula like, is like a ghost town. It would have been worse had the wind been strong and blowing. Repair work being done. Some areas restored. The caliser worse off. Ice was three quarters of an inch thick on trees and wires and so on. And uh, two months later, on the Sabbath, uh, we had a car accident. First time in a long, long, long time. The car was wrecked on the side. And then in 2003, probably some of you remember this, just, I just found, okay, this was written in like 2000, 2001, and now it's 2003, and I've written, wow, two years have passed so quickly. And uh, on the, uh, on March of that year, 2003, just found this journal. Today is cloudy and wet, March. Much rain fell yesterday. Carolyn is in Tulsa. Spent uh, to spend two nights with the kids. Rain today. And then, uh, can't read my own writings sometimes. It says, within the next few minutes, the deadline for Hussein to get out of Iraq will be up. There is little doubt that U.S. attack will be successful. We shall see, will the war begin as scheduled, or will we keep them on edge and surprise them when they least expect it? So I, I have this long thing about, uh, about the Iraq war. But so, you know, so go the days of our lives. I don't want to spend too much time on that. And uh, I guess when I'm, you know, when, I'm, when I become a good Indian, then maybe this will be uh, available to whoever wants to read it. As you know, uh, I don't know how you celebrate uh, New Year's, but we used to celebrate it, you know. Uh, I think uh, our grandson wants to uh, set some firecrackers off tonight. And, uh, but there are different ways to look at the new year, the coming new year. So what we're going to do is, uh, is look at the Word of God to see what we should be thinking about and what we should be doing in, in the coming new year. So how will we approach the new year of 2017? Some will make New Year's resolutions to affect good changes in their life. And some just cannot do so, or, or maybe they just don't want to. But, you know, time for the most part is measured in years, like in our birthdays or anniversaries, for example. And there are uh, some things we should know about time. Like, how are we to spend our time and make right use of our time? Because 
Our time is our life, and it goes by fast. Even from the age of one to, say, like the age of five or five to ten, uh, you look at your children, and you know time has really gone by. In the book of Psalm, chapter 90, here we see a prayer of Moses. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So we see that God is everlasting, that he has always been, which is a concept that a lot of people just can't really grasp. How can God be? Who was his mother? Who was his father? But he has always been. In verse 3, you turn man to destruction and say, return you children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. So that concept of time to God is so far different from, from us. We can look back on our lives and maybe our loved ones who, you know, who've, who've gone on, so to speak. We think back to those days and, you know, it's, sometimes it may seem like yesterday. Sometimes it may seem like a long, long time ago. But time only matters when it is of relevance to us and to the events in our life. You, uh, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. So, you know, God has turned man, it says, to destruction. That's because we are earthy. We are of the dust, and to dust we return. You carry them away as a flood, as with a flood. They are as they sleep in the morning. They are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and withers. So man is temporary. Man is weak. Man doesn't really have a whole lot of time to spend. For we are consumed by your anger and by your wrath are we troubled. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days are passed away in, the, in your wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore uh, uh, years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet it is their strength, labor, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? Even according to your fear, so is your wrath. So, Moses, in his prayer to God, said, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom, that we may apply our hearts to knowledge and, and to know to do good and to avoid uh, the things that bring evil not only to ourselves but evil upon others and also to be wise and not fall into the traps of wickedness. So we are to be aware of our time. Every day counts, and we are to apply them toward doing wisely. And so we're taught by the word of God, and even the days of our lives that our past have given us lessons. We learn lessons from things we experienced in the past, and they stay with us, and sometimes we may forget them, or they don't seem as as strong as they were at the time they occurred. But as one gets older, time becomes a little more 
important. But even in youth, even when you're young, youth is, time is, uh, time is also important. If you as a, a youth, you know, you have your wristwatch, you have your cell phone, you can look at those things and tell how much time is passing. Or, you know, back in the old days, you know, they had the old sand in the hourglass. If you just imagine that in whatever you're doing, uh, <laughs> in one way, it's like, wow, I've got a lot of sand to go, you know. But then another way, when it gets close to the, the, the little neck of the glass, you see time running out. And so we're not to look at time really as something that is going to pass us by because we know that there is a time ahead when we will have everlasting life. And who can, who can grasp the concept of everlasting life when yesterday will only be like a thousand years passing? So we are to be aware of our time. In Ecclesiastes 12, verses 1 through 8, we have a classic description of aging and as the years go by to the youth. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when ye shall say, I have no pleasure in them. So there's a time coming, you know, just when I first heard these, this scripture read to me, you know, I thought, well, that's a long time away. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to take any pleasure in them. Uh, you know, uh, dread them. But uh, there's that time coming when <laughs> you won't have too much pleasure. As you know, we don't like to think that far ahead. So let's don't do that. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. This is like saying, you know, the time coming when there's going to be a need for glasses. There's going to be a need, you know, uh, to get some sort of corrective lenses or something done to your eyes so that you don't see blurry things or that you don't see uh, dim things. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders shall cease because they are few and those that look out uh, of the windows be darkened. So you see uh, that there is, you know, the loss of the grinders, the loss of the teeth, a few missing uh, molars and so on, and also, uh, you know, the windows, your eyes become darkened. And the door shall be shut in the street when the sound of the grinding is low. And he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. So you see, the little noises sometimes can wake you up. Or a little beep can wake you up. There's a lot of things that can, uh, you can wake, that can uh, interfere with your sleep. And when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden. And desire shall fail, because man goes to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. So nowadays, you know, they have pills and things to, to boost your hormones and all of that jazz. But, or ever the, verse 6, or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. You know, something going wrong all the time. Things that need to be fixed. Things that need to be repaired. Got to go to the doctor to do this or that. To find out some, you know, inconvenient truths. Then shall 
the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So we see in, in, in the Psalms, we see where Moses prayed to God. We see where uh, in Ecclesiastes where, you know, uh, the, as the years go by, what, what we can expect. So we're not left without, you know, a future time of what it might be like. But how are we to be in, in the year that's coming? in 2017, 2018, if you want to go on. What should we resolve to do? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. It says to us, and if you have your Bible, you might just underline that. Be you therefore followers of God. Don't be followers of, you know, anything else, but be ye followers of God. As dear children. Dear children who, you know, who follow their parents, who obey their parents, who honor their parents, to be followers of God in the same way. We don't see God, he's, he's invisible, but we know that he exists because we can look at the things that he left us, just like a, a, a toy room where parents leave, you know, toys for their children or, or pictures or things that they can look at and know, well, you know, my dad or my mom left that for me. So, you know, we have nature to look at and know that there is a God and we should follow him as dear children. And verse 2, how are we to be in the year ahead? What should we resolve to do? It says, walk in love. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. We please God by following Jesus. And it sometimes, you know, it often calls for, you know, a, a sacrifice on, on, our, on our part. But verse 3, fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, filthiness nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. I know sometimes when I tell, you know, a joke or do something funny, you know, I, I remember that scripture. No foolish talking or jesting. And sometimes I wonder if I uh, went, you know, beyond uh, that. But I pray that everyone will understand. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon who? The children of disobedience. So be not you therefore partakers with them. There's so much in the world in which one can become involved in when they should not be among such people. Because what they do can rub off on you. What evil they do, you could be tempted to do. So there's a big difference in the lifestyle of a Christian and the lifestyle of worldly paper. People? Did I say peeper? <laughs> I wasn't due for a sermon this week, by the way. <laughs> but anyway, I'm glad I'm here. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, 
For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So when you come across, you know, scriptures such as these, sometimes you have to pause and really think about what those words are saying. You know, it's one thing to just read it and then go to the next uh, scripture, but then it's, it's good to meditate on those, those things. And, and the way uh, I heard that the, uh, uh, the Hebrews or the Jews uh, read, they would read it aloud, and that was their meditation. Because the sound, the formation of the, the words in, in their mouths uh, added to uh, their memory, their, their understanding, and, you know, just to think about it. So sometimes, sometimes I can't help it. If I read something, I, I may not understand it, and I read it again and still may not understand it. I read it again, and then again, and then again. I'm just that way sometimes, just not going through. But... You have to prove what is acceptable unto the Lord. But we, some things are very clear. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whosoever does make manifest is light. Wherefore he says, Awake, you that sleep and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So we're to be very careful and not unwise. And just know what, what you're doing. You've got to know what you're doing. Years ago, I, I, I always remember this, probably will, will for a long time. I was out in the flower bed. I may have related this story, you know. As you get older, you keep relating stories you've already told before. And uh, so I'm probably guilty of this. But uh, I was out there in the flower bed, and uh, my uh, granddaughter was five or six years old, and she came out. And she saw what I was doing, and she's out of nowhere, and she says, you need to know what you're doing, or you're going to mess up. So I think about that sometimes, you know. Know what you're doing, or you're going to mess up. And so we apply our lives to, you know, the way God has guided us to, to his word, to those things that are going to be uh, helpful to us. So walk circumspectly, not as fools. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Because, you know, when you look around, you can, you can see that there is much evil going in. And it becomes so commonplace that it becomes a little bit more uh, acceptable. We, we come a little bit more uh, 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 jaded toward it. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity, whatever opportunity we have, because the days are evil. Wherefore be you not in wise, verse 17, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You know, some choose to live life under the influence of maybe alcohol or, or drugs or some other thing that uh, boosts their spirit in the wrong way. But we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You know, you can go to Galatians and see what uh, the Spirit of God is all about. Exercising those things. That's how, we, uh, that's how we will know we can 
what, ex uh, what uh, the spirit we need to exercise are. And one of the ways in verse 19 is like what we did today, earlier, you know, to do praise and worship. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns. However, you know, this is, this is to yourselves, it says. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. So these, uh, sometimes when, you know, you have these troubles or you might have these worries or you just want to take your mind off a thing, sing to yourself or, or you know, remember some hymn. And sometimes, you know, if you have a, a CDs and, and tape cassettes, of which I have many, uh, you can listen to those. those. Those are helpful. So, you know, maybe the only time we, we sing these hymns and psalms is mainly at church. But when we sing them to ourselves, this is an effective way in which to deal with whatever concerns and worries that we might have. So when we sing these hymns, we can draw these, these pictures, these uh, images of Bible passages uh, that will give us strength. Now one thing about time is its uncertainty. Luke chapter 12. And he said unto them, verse 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of things which he possesses. And he spoke a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Just rich and everything was just growing, and there was just a, a plenteous amount of growing things. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. I've got so much uh, growing. Everything is plentiful. I need more room. And he said, this will I do. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build a greater one. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, I will say to my soul, soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, you fool, this night your soul shall be required of you. Then... Whose shall those things be which you have provided? So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for the body what you shall put on. Because we know that God has plenty and that he, can, he has the means to provide what we need if, if there be a need. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also. So we have time to get ready. We have time to think about the word of God. We have time to do good. But sometimes we, you know, we squander our time. We quench the spirit sometimes. Be ye therefore ready, because the Son of Man comes at an hour when you think not. So Peter said unto him, Lord, do you speak this parable unto us, or even to, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise steward, 
whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he has. So we know that judgment day is coming. There's a time coming when uh, we're going to be judged, when the world is going to be judged. So there's also a time to be ready, to be prepared, to be prepared at all times by walking in the spirit of God. So there is the importance of time has to do with you know, working out our own salvation. Second Peter chapter 3. This second epistle from Peter, Beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. You know, remember. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of time. Or beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that, of that by the word of God the heavens were of old. And the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not, be not ignorant of this one thing. Again, we see this concept of time that God has in comparison to ours, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. So this uh, slackness is evidence of God's love. It is evidence of his patience toward us. It is evidence of his desire that all should turn to him and, and uh, repent. So he's long suffering toward us. And one thing uh, we can be sure of, we know that this age is passing uh, away. Let's go on to Acts chapter uh, 14. I'll skip some of these. I was going to read down to verse 15. Acts 14. We start at, uh, uh, in verse 1. It came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. So we see the, you know, the, this division. Uh, occurring. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them as these disciples who were preaching the grace of God, they were aware of it and they fled unto Lystra and Derbe. Uh, you know, uh, the disciples were wise, they were smart, 
you know, it didn't take them long to figure out that their lives were in danger. So they fled the cities of like, like, like a, can you say it? Like, lay, come on. Lay Kaoniah, how's that? And unto the region that lieth round about, I thought I had that down, but, you know. And there they preached the gospel. There they preached the gospel. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent at his feet, in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and, per and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And the man stood up and leapt, and he walked. So Paul perceived the faith that was in this man. For so long a time he could not walk. And Paul saw that he was ready to be healed. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voice, voices, saying in the speech of, the, of that word again, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. So they thought, you know, Barnabas and uh, Paul were uh, these, uh, like these pagan gods. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands into the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good, and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. So you can see the compassion, the mercy of God that he ha has upon all people. So we are to use our time being consistent in our faith as examples before the world. In Colossians chapter uh, 4, it says to walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. To let your speech be always with grace, which is, you know, to just to be pleasant, to be attractive, and to, to be winsome. Uh, season with salt. In Hellenistic times, this, this uh, salt was symbolic of wit. That you may know how you ought to answer every man. So you take every opportunity as a witness for, for Jesus, but with tact and being sensitive and not antagonistic them. I have here a uh, typewritten, uh, is, it was for a newspaper, it's called The Buckskin, uh, published by uh, uh, my mother's cousin, I guess she'd be a cousin to me too, but it was uh, preaching, uh, based on preaching to wild Indians 60 years ago. But in it there is a, how this Indian preacher silenced infidel critics, and I'd like to read that to you, because as I was thinking about what am I going to do for the sermon. Uh, didn't really think I had much time to do it uh, in preparation, but I thought this might apply to things that, you know, that have happened in the past. Indian preacher silence infidel critics. Uh, 
Reverend Will William McCombs is now nearly 90 years old and he is still actively engaged in the work of the Lord. 61 years he has been an ordained minister. He rarely ever misses one of the big meetings and conventions and his advice and counsel are sought by the younger Indians. When Brother McCombs was about 75 years old, he chanced to be stopping at a boarding house in the city of Claremore. There were two young men who were guests at the same hotel. The lady, on learning that Brother McCombs was an Indian minister, she warned him of these two young men, telling him that they were severe critics of the Bible, and especially of preachers. Within a few days, the young men discovered also that he was an Indian preacher. So they concluded that they had an easy mark and soon began their criticisms and putting to Brother McCombs what they considered unanswerable criticisms. Among other things, the old story of where did Cain get his wife, they said that since God had just created two, Adam and Eve, and that there had just, they had just two sons, Cain and Abel, and that Cain had slain Abel, that the story contradicted itself. Then Brother McCombs said, get your Bible, boys, and let's see about that. Of course, they had no Bible, but he produced one and proceeded to show them that Adam had lived 930 years and begat sons and daughters. Now, he said, you boys, get a pencil and do some figuring. I am 75 years old and have about, and I have about 50 children, including grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and, and we will say that Adam was only 500 years old when Cain was married, and, he, and we will presume that without Adam and his descendants increased at the same ratio as I have, now when you get that figured out, you may tell me about how many people there were in the world when Cain was married. When the young men had figured for quite a while, they threw up their hands and said, Uncle, you have got us. There were more than 50 people in, in the world. So the wit of this minister was able to answer their questions. Then they said to him, they asked, well, what about the story of Jonah living three days in the belly of a fish? You don't believe that, do you? Brother McCombs said, it is no harder for me to believe that than it is for me to believe that you lived nine months in your mother's womb and I suppose you both believe that story, don't you? <laughs> and then they asked, well, what about the story of General Joshua commanding the sun to stand still? Don't you know that if the sun should stop for one second that the world would melt with fervent heat? And the preacher replied saying, you see that engine down there on the railroad track? If you or I should go down there and undertake to manipulate that engine, we would be more than likely to blow it to smithereens. But if the master mechanic who made that engine should come along and touch a few buttons and levers, that old engine would move off orderly with its great load. God is the master mechanic who made this universe, and he knows just how to manipulate its machinery. The young men were perhaps college graduates and possessed with the luxuries of this world, but they were without God and without hope. Brother McCombs had never attended college and had little of this world's goods, but he knew God and knew God's word, and he had hope in Jesus Christ. It is a great deal easier to
to live in ignorance of God and his word and to find fault with them than it is to get down and study the word till we know what God does say. These young men, like thousands, had chosen the way of least effort, but the end thereof is, uh, thereof is death. The old preacher has given more than 60 years to the study of God's word, and they found that they had tackled the wrong preacher. This was published in 1942 in a publication called The Buckskin, an Indian publication about the churches in, in that area. We know in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. If you haven't heard, the, you know, the, uh, the group, the birds, I think it is, that sings to everything there's a season. Uh, this, they really put uh, these words into uh, good music. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. So there's a time for everything we see. And there's a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get. A time to lose, you know, so there's a time to lose, a time to maybe waste a little bit of it, which I seem to be doing more of these days. A time to keep, got to be there on time, you know, you got to make time, and a time is just to cast away. A time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. What profit has he that works in that wherein he labors? I have seen the travail which God has given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God makes from the beginning to the end. I know there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatsoever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God does it, that men should fear before him. That which has been, is now. And that which has already been, and God requires that which is past. So, you know, you've heard that saying, you know, history repeats itself. There's nothing really new under the sun. So, as a new year is coming, what will it bring? The future we know is in... God's hands and we are in his hands if we put our trust and refuge in him through prayer and spiritual diligence. I just want to uh, have, would like to talk about the book of life but uh, I'm not going to, aren't you glad? But in Isaiah chapter 12 Isaiah wrote, Behold God is my salvation I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Yehovah, or the eternal, is my strength and my song. He also is my salvation. So we can't count on man to save us. We have to put our trust in the eternal, our God. You know, there's a book of life being written, and our names are in it, and, and we can rejoice in that. So the new year, who knows what it will bring, but if we're on God's side, he will be on ours.